No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of Ex-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Before we get into this episode, here is where we're at. The story is going to get pretty complicated soon, so we'll try and keep this as linear as possible. At this time, it has now been two years since I got together with Ben and about a year and a half since moving to Seattle. And in that time, I rarely ever saw Athena, if at all. We did all of our drop-offs and pickups at school and Sydney was no longer in gymnastics or any other sport, so we never saw her at those events either. I had Athena blocked on all social media and she did not have my phone number until about a year into my relationship. And very shortly after, I changed my phone number and didn't give it to her. We briefly used the Our Family Wizard app, but as you can remember, that didn't work out. So the second one we were using during this episode was a calendar app, and it was very, very limited in how much you could write messages. I did not speak with Athena. I did not text her, email her, or call her. Nothing. She did not hear a peep from me personally, ever. Ben also changed his phone number and assured me that he was also not speaking with her besides the limited co-parenting stuff through the calendar app. This is what I thought was happening anyways. I had no idea that there was any communication or harassment to Athena by Ben, nor did I have any idea that he was talking shit about me to Athena. Now, if you remember in the last episode, Athena had just met Chris in the spring and was pregnant by July. Now, we had no idea about him whatsoever because she kept him hidden. So when me and Ben got the news in August that she had a new boyfriend and, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant, it was shocking. Not only that, but she immediately moved Chris and his sister into her home with Sydney and Lexi. I realized Ben did the same thing with me when he moved me in, so I totally get it. And Athena had every reason to be concerned with some random woman moving in and being around her daughter. I want to give a little more context to what was happening in the background and why I reacted the way I did towards the end of this episode. Between the time I met Athena and almost a year later when these big events started happening, Sydney was having some behavioral issues. And one of the things I remember right from the very beginning when I came on the scene was Ben telling me that because Athena was so young when she had Lexi, that she treated her like a girlfriend or a best friend more than a mother. And by that, I mean Lexi was around adults as a child. She heard adult conversations. She listened to adult music and maybe some inappropriate stuff for kiddos' ears. You get the drift. So... Ben felt like Athena was doing the same thing with Sydney. I'll give you an example. Sydney would come to our house and she loved to dance and she'd be in our living room 
But the dancing that she was doing was very sexual in nature, and she would whip her head around and her hair provocatively. Ben would say, hey, baby, that's not how little girls dance. It's not appropriate. Hey, where did you learn how to dance like that? Was it at school? And I remember her saying, no, mommy taught it to me. Or I'd catch Sydney's older teenage sister posting on Twitter or Instagram pics of Sydney in full glam makeup looking like she was 25 years old. And then Sydney would come back to our house and throw a temper tantrum if we wouldn't let her wear makeup outside of our home or to school. So these were just the little things that were kind of adding up over time. And I felt protective over Sydney. It could have been easily handled had we had a better working relationship with Athena. But I was left to stew and assume things. Um, So anyways, as you can imagine, when we learned about her new love interest, Chris, we were concerned and felt that Athena was being irresponsible and not considering her young impressionable daughters as she made these big life decisions so you'll see later in this episode where i lose my shit on chris's sister when she posted a photo to instagram with sydney reading the book why men love bitches so the long and the short of it late 2015 and into 2016 was probably the lowest of the low between me ben and athena Everybody on both sides were at their wit's end, and because of the lack of communication and the misinformation being told, it only got worse. Now, on with the story. Season 1, Episode 20, Game On. After the big suicide debacle, things went back to the status quo as if it never happened. What a sick and twisted relationship, but that was the normal to me. We'd get into these huge arguments and then Ben would beg and plead for me to stay and that we were soulmates and couldn't imagine life without me. He would even tell me about his near-death experience he had as a child and that ever since then he'd get visions. Of course, you can imagine the story he'd tell me about the future he saw with us together, married with Sydney and children of our own giving a super detailed description of seeing me rocking a baby in my arms. I visioned the visions. Did my we ever tell you about the visions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so visions of you he, being his child, baby mama, and oh, yeah. we're going to have a boy. And yep, that was like, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. Amber, and I love you so much. And blah, blah, blah. The typical, like, love bombing to get you back. And it's like, you just go back to the normal after he just sent you to the hospital and all these things are going wrong and because it's a break and it feels so good yeah to be doted on and loved when you're exhausted it sounds really ridiculous when i talk about the the near-death stuff but at the moment i was like well i mean he believes it and when he explains to you like i almost died as a child and ever since then uh, my dad had to resuscitate me and i had an out-of-body experience and then ever since then i'd have these visions and he would always say I know we're going through a rough time, but Amber, I know we're going to be together and that we're soulmates. And I've seen the visions of us, like grandparents age with Sydney and our own child. And I think you just kind of want to buy it. It was obviously a really stressful time in my life. So I thought it would be good if I could focus my energies into something more positive. So I started a fashion blog. One day, a girl that I went to college with contacted me because she had heard about the success of this blog and asked if I would meet with a friend of hers who had a beauty business in the Seattle area that could use some help and guidance. Her name was Liberty, and she was a former Seahawk cheerleader. 
Immediately, I felt really uncomfortable because she probably was friends with Athena. You see, Ben had told me from the very beginning of our relationship that Athena was a former seagull and used to get him really good season tickets every year. Me and Liberty decided to meet for lunch and I felt I needed to address the elephant in the room and told her that she probably knew my fiance's ex-wife, Athena. But her response was just a blank expression. She had no idea who I was talking about and explained that she had been on the team for several years and would recognize that name if Athena was part of the team. I was so confused. Why would Athena be lying about something like that? Or was it Ben that was lying? The fact of the matter was that I didn't really care if she was or wasn't, but I noticed myself noting every single detail that came out of his mouth and if something didn't match. This was one of those situations, and I made sure to log that in the back of my mind. I told her your name, and she's like, no, I, I don't know anyone. I would know that name. It's very uh, a beautiful name, but like, community. there's not very yeah. many people no. you know, with that name. It's, it's unique, and... She's like, no, I, I don't know. So did you ever question Ben or did you just kind of yeah, memory bank it and move on? No, I did. I questioned him and I told him, look, I can't find Athena's anything. I mean, there's social media now. There's no past pictures. I was like, what year was she on the team? Mm, like, oh, five, six, something. He kind of was like, I don't know. It was like, you know, and he was really vague. And I'm like, I can't find any pictures. I met with Liberty. She also said that Athena was never on the team. And he's like, specifically told me to go ask his friends and that he's like, I don't know what to tell you. She told that to all of my friends, Amber, ask any of them. And I wonder what they would have said if I did. The other thing I remember about my lunch with Liberty is that after I explained who Athena was and that she owned a local lash salon, she in fact did know who that was. Their salons were just down the street from one another and they had mutual friends and acquaintances. Liberty went on to tell me that while she didn't really know Athena personally, she did have a friend that frequented her salon and didn't have anything good to say. In fact, her exact words were that Athena was a quote-unquote hot mess. Yikes. This lady clearly wasn't Team Athena nor Team Ben, so now I had a third party that was confirming what Ben had been telling me for the past two years. By October, three months after the suicide incident, and after months of expensive supplements and daily hormone shots, it was finally time to do our first round of IVF. It was scary, but exciting, and Ben was really supportive during it all and would tell me to just think positive and that there was no doubt in his mind that it would happen. I would pray at night and tell myself, you will be a mother. You will be a great mother. God has a plan. I would daydream about baby names, and the type A in me would write down the ones that resonated with me in a Google spreadsheet. For a boy, I loved the name Jameson Reese, and for a girl, Wesley Arabella, or Shane Everly. The day before the procedure, I got a text from Athena. My first thought was, how did she even have my phone number after I changed it? And secondly... After I read the message, I was completely blindsided because she bluntly just told me that Ben was planning on breaking up with me and that she knew all about how I tried to kill myself. Wow. No words. Just complete shock. I just remember, like, I had done the two weeks of all the shots, so I was probably extra loopy. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then Ben had to give me a shot in my ass, basically, that night. 
before the procedure. I was nervous. I was scared. I was excited. It was all these things. And I used to pray at night, like, you're going to be a mom. You're going to be a mom. Like, you're going to be a mom. And here I go. I'm going to cry again. But um, thank God it has a plan. I will shoot you in your ass. I'll shoot you in your butt. <laughs> yeah. I'll come. I used to just tell my name, myself, like, God has a plan. You're, you're going to be a good mom. You're a great mom. And you're going to do it. So anyways, I was excited. And it was like the big day and I worked so hard to get to this point. And um, yeah, my phone goes off and I was, certainly was not expecting it to be you because I didn't think you had my phone number. I'm remembering this now. This was a long message. So I think you were loopy. I let I you know that I was aware of what had happened and I was sorry that you had gone through all that. I know you tried to kill yourself that, you know, he had let me know and that you were leaving Sydney's life and that... Ben had come to me and said that you guys were breaking up. I was digging a little bit because I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure it was true. Yeah. Because he had confirmed and told me it was done. She's stirring the pot. She's trying to cause trouble. So he's basically telling me that this isn't just another one of your meddling, trying to be vicious, trying to be cruel, harassing. He's going to file a restraining order on you that he's sick of this garbage and that, you know, it's just you being Sounds a Sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. bawling and we fought and we fought and we fought all night. I don't think I slept a wink. My heart began beating uncontrollably and fighting back tears. I called Ben right away. How could he betray me like that? He was supposed to be on my side and come to find out he threw me under the bus and shared my most personal information to a woman who I assumed didn't even like me. We fought all night and I had no idea what to do. Should I cancel the IVF that was scheduled for 7 a.m. the next morning? He drove the point home to me that this was a prime example of how horrible Athena was and that she'd stooped to the lowest level to destroy our relationship. I just couldn't understand why she was so vindictive. I mean, she was in a new relationship and expecting a baby. Why wouldn't she just focus on herself and leave us alone? Ben managed to smooth things over, and we did go forward with the IVF the following day. It went well, and he was there by my side for support. I had never actually been put under before, so the anesthesia made me really loopy. And he sat in the recovery room giggling at the things that would come out of my mouth and filming me with his phone camera. We actually felt like a team that day. Here's a short clip that Ben had sent me from that day. It was October, and I must have just watched the movie Hocus Pocus with Sydney, and it was clearly still on my mind. Uh, yeah. I I, I really don't have much to say about this video. I... (laughs) So ridiculous. I I always get a good laugh at it, so I hope you do too. Oh, my... (laughs) (laughs) What's funny? Oh no! That's funny. I had Ooga Booga. You had Ooga Booga? I did. I did some potions and stuff. You did potions? Mm-hmm. What kind of potions? Um, I just like. Okay. I don't know. Hmm. Good potions. That's funny. What's funny? That's funny. I had the Pocus Pocus ladies in there all with me the whole time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Yeah, they did their mm, magic. 
Did their magic? Mm -hmm. oh. Kind of magic. I called them to go. I can't lift my head, motherfucker. Oh. Oh. You should probably just lay down and rest. I don't think you need to lift your head right now. Yeah. Do you know I'm not fat after all? That you're not fat after all? Yeah. Uh, what, what made you realize that? I got on a scale and I thought, oh, for sure, fatty. And do you know I only weigh Good. 112 pounds? Yeah, wow, well, not very I much. I thought this whole little shot thing made me fucking Hey, watch, be careful now. Watch your language. Uh, um, how's your pain right now? I don't feel anything. You still don't feel anything? Okay. I'm going to bring um, some juice over and crackers. And when you wake up a little bit more, um, you can take a few sips of that. Um, if we give you any medicine, we'll want you to eat something before we do. It can make you sick. But if you don't feel like you need any medicine, that's totally fine too. So I'll be right back, okay? Were you in there with me too? I wasn't. I came oh, okay. at the end. So yeah, I didn't. Yeah, if you don't remember me, that's that's correct. This is our first time. We were told by the doctor not to have intercourse during the two-week wait after IVF, and that was challenging to say the least, especially because Ben had a very high sex drive from the steroids he was secretly taking. I managed to hold him off during that time and had even scheduled to go back to Oregon for my sister's birthday so I wouldn't even be home. But when I did get home on Sunday, he was relentless in pushing to have sex. You couldn't just turn him down either. He would go into a complete meltdown mode and throw a tantrum like any small child would. Finally, I just caved because we were just shy of the two-week mark, but I made myself very clear, please be gentle, you know how important this is. The next moments were a blur. What started out as kind and gentle turned into aggressive and rough, and it just happened so fast I couldn't even believe what was happening. Why was he doing this? When it was over, I got up and ran to the bathroom. And when I looked down, there was so much blood just gushing everywhere. I walked out to show him what he did, and he had no expression, no remorse. He just casually told me that I was fine. All of my hopes and dreams of becoming a mom were destroyed in just a few minutes. I remember just saying, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Yeah. We just spent 15K plus another... $7,000 in meds for IVF. This is super important and you know it. Just like you had talked about in your chapter, that is what happened with me. It started out normal and then all of a sudden it was getting rougher and rougher. And I'm just like, <gasps> like it happened so fast. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I just, I was stunned. I know. I got up after it was all over and I had blood gushing down my legs, gushing. I had never seen so much blood. It was everywhere. It got on the carpet. It got everywhere. And I ran to the bathroom and I, I don't even think I could squeeze out a tear. I was so stunned. It just felt like the intention was that he did that on purpose. Yep. And, I you know, know, doctors will say you can't. Um, the I don't know. I guess it could be controversial. In my opinion, he did that on purpose. And knowing what I know now with you, that it worked before. So he was trying to do it again. Yeah. And so, yep. and I walked out completely naked. Look, 
look at me. I, I, I'm covered in blood. And I, and he had nothing to say for himself. Did he, he just was, was he like emotional? Did he fake no. it? Nothing at all? Nope. Like, I'm sorry. Did he comfort no. you? Nope. He put his clothes on and went back upstairs and said that I was fine. Completely devastated, I showered, grabbed our dog Boogie, and retreated into the spare bedroom downstairs to cry myself to sleep. It was confirmed the following week that I wasn't pregnant. Sydney had spoken about Amber's mother and sister, and I was able to look them up on Facebook. Although Amber had blocked me, I had Amber's current contact information. I believe that she now was working from home. I was building my arsenal of text, email, and court record proof so that there was no way either of these women could deny the fact that I was telling them all the truth. Sure, I look like a crazy person, but this was my only hope at stopping any more of the attacks against me and my family by them. Every other day was finding out a new lie that was being revealed to me. Somehow, some way through people acquaintances of his, Sydney, a response yeah. from you that led me to believe that I knew he was, again, yeah. saying false things about me and it was adding up. And I just so badly wanted to enjoy this pregnancy after what I had endured with him being pregnant with Sydney. Like I just really wanted something special and fresh. And instead I was bogged down with this feeling of unfairness. I was so confused about what to do because it wasn't working and people kept saying she's never going to believe you yeah only making yourself look crazy which I knew how it was <laughs> um but then I realized that I think I was gonna have to go like balls to the wall and just like go all out for the sake of you and myself if this yeah. was gonna be over I was gonna have to like put together a major presentation with facts for you. Right. Because I, and that was all I could do. And the then door. I have to be done. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I had shut the door and I yeah. blocked you, which is stupid because I cut off that communication. Yeah. Um, so for other women, if they feel like they need to do that, like it's probably not the best. Once I was organized, I decided to give Ben one last chance to come clean. I let him know that I had Amber's mother's contact information and her sister's, and then I was going to drive over to he and Amber's home that day and tell her everything. I was going to present her with all of the evidence and documents I had to support the truth. I clearly realized now that that was a bad idea. I should have shut my mouth and just sent the messages to her family and handed the information directly to Amber. The words of Julia Roberts in the movie Pretty Woman still ring clearly in my ear to this day. Big mistake big, huge mistake. Ben started to frantically text and call me. He was obviously panicking. After I refused to respond or answer his calls, he decided to come straight to my home. I heard his car pull into the driveway and I ran downstairs to make sure the front door was locked. Within seconds, Ben is at my front door, turning the door handle, trying to get in. He begins pounding on my front door, screaming at me to let him in. I'd previously read the text messages he was sending before he even arrived at my house. He was threatening me and warning me not to do it or I would suffer the consequences. And after his repeated threatening text messages, there was no way I was opening that door. I told him, no matter what you do, no matter how many times you make her block me, I will go to her mother and I'm going to, unless you do this by this day, by this time. And and I'd been, yeah. I'd been leading up to that. So that morning I said, just so you know, boom, I'm, I'm driving there. Do you know that this is happening that morning? No. Okay. No. He kisses me goodbye, going to work, have a good day, love you. I had zero idea that there was any drama. 
So I was getting ready upstairs. I was in my master bedroom. I have a sit-in windowsill. Sydney and Lexi were both sitting there and it's right at the front of the house, right? And so it was like Ben skirting in like, oh shit. And he's like freaking out. You better not say shit. I swear to God, I'll make your life a living hell. You better keep your mouth shut. I swear to God, Athena, you better shut your fucking mouth, you loud mouth. All you want to do is ruin my life. All you want to do is ruin my life. I'm thinking, really? Right. All you want to do is ruin your life? Really? Yeah. You've ruined my life for the last eight years already now seven eight years you've ruined my life when you should be being kind for all the mean things you did to me and letting me move on and hoping that i find happiness one day so that you sh you could too maybe you yeah. create fake and false stories and you pull me into them and you drag me into them and you smear my name and you make me a disgusting human to strangers i've never met you turn people on me for no reason and yeah. i just had it he just continues to pound on the big glass window right next to the front door. Let me in, you fucking bitch. I fucking hate you trying to ruin my life. I swear to God, you need to fucking die. Like anything and everything to scare me, to threaten me. Um, he did and said. I don't know. I mean, you've seen his temper before. Did it feel different where you felt like yeah. this is, he's really flipped his switch. Like I've never seen him yeah. like this before. And so I'm really yeah. scared. Or was it like uh, it was it was a I mean, buildup it was a buildup and he was gonna lose you and he was gonna be revealed most importantly his lies now i think like the pride and he can't be beaten like you are crazy i don't know what you're capable of i just found out you made yeah. lie about being raped now you're doing this and acting like this like i don't i didn't know what he was capable of i mean i did in the yeah. past I knew what he did to Josh, trying to throw, tase him and throw him into the water, like, kill him. True, true. I knew how he stalked. I knew him running me off the road. I was scared. Thankfully, my soon-to-be sister-in-law, Allison, was living with us, and she was there with me. She knew everything going on with him, and she was very aware of how unpredictable and dangerous he could be. Allison immediately took the girls upstairs and locked them all inside my bedroom. That's when Ben started to pound on the window next to the door. I thought he was going to bash it in. I yelled through the door and told him to leave immediately or I was going to call the police. It went quiet for a moment and that's when I realized the back sliding door was unlocked. I quickly ran to the back door and I locked it. I checked to make sure the windows were locked on the ground level as well. Ben quickly resumed his screaming and threats at the front of the house. He told me if I thought my life was a living hell now, I should wait and see how bad he would make it if I contacted Amber. I yelled back and I told him that he was scaring the girls and I begged him to stop. When that didn't work, I informed him that the police were on their way. That's when he finally stopped and he got back into his car and he left. Once I knew Ben was gone, Allison and the kids came downstairs and I was able to get everyone calmed down. I got the girls off to school and Allison and I went to work. We immediately printed out the legal documents to file a restraining order against Ben. Chris, Allison and I wrote our statements and filed everything the following day and then had Ben served. Ben and my parenting plan stated that if Ben was acting erratic, I had full authority to remove Sydney from his care until we went to court and he could prove that he was taking his bipolar meds and that he was not taking steroids. Thankfully for now, I had a protection order for the next few weeks. Just a couple of weeks after doing IVF, Ben came home around Halloween and told me that he was being charged with domestic violence from Athena. What the hell? I thought. He explained that she had set him up, asking him to come to her house to drop Sydney's coat off. And according to him, when he arrived and knocked on the door, nobody answered. 
He started peeking through the windows to see where everybody was at and saw his daughter coming down the stairs towards him, but Athena quickly grabbed her and took her back upstairs. She then opened a window to scream at him to go away, and the next thing he knows, he's being served court paperwork while he's at the gym. Athena had requested a restraining order that included their daughter Sydney, so for several weeks, we weren't even able to see or speak with her. And this was so upsetting and just added to my already terrible state of mind. Oh my God, you won't believe this. That bitch just served me. She set me up, Amber. She set me up. And now I have domestic violence charges. I can't she believe what you wrote in the chapter. Like, I cannot believe down. he told you that. I I set him up to come bring Cindy's coat. Yeah. You drop off a coat. I was like, she doesn't have any other coats for your daughter at her house know, for school. I know. Come on. Okay. And you hate um, her, so why are you bringing over? Yes. I mean, are you, again? Are you her bitch? Are you at her exactly. back call? Yeah. Do you That's why you were thinking backbone? that. Yes. I, I was like, do you not have a backbone? Like for fuck's sake. None of this even made sense to me whatsoever. Ben was not a violent man, and this was not the person I knew. Even in our worst fights, that man had never laid a finger on me, nor even called me a bad name, not once. Now, I have to make it very clear that yes, we did fight, but you have to remember that those incidents were spread out over months and years. And on a daily basis, we were very much a normal, happy, and healthy family. We both worked, we had family Uno game nights, I took Sydney to swim lessons, we walked the dog. I don't know what Ben was telling Athena about our home life, but she had it so wrong. Here's my sister discussing her perception of Ben as a father. He he would just act like father of the year. He was very attentive to her. Um, you know, if she would do something wrong, he would take her aside and talk to her. He was never, you know, mean. He was never overly disciplinary kind of dad, but he, he kept her in line. He was made sure that she was respectful. He just acted like a very good father. He would not drink. Like we'd all have a, an adult beverage, which is normal. Um, doesn't make you a bad parent just because you might have a drink in front of your kid, but he would never even have one beer if she was there. And yeah, he just, he, he, he did appear to be a very good father. I was impressed by how he treated his daughter. So um, it was so interesting and, and awful to hear how he manipulated her in so many ways throughout the course of the whole, the whole relationship and situation because those few times that I got to see him be a father, he portrayed a very good father. And he did it with me as well. Like we had a very normal like household. I mean, yes, we had some blow up fights, but that didn't happen until a couple years into it. They were never when Sydney was around for the most part. And, you know, we, we did everything with her and he was very doting and he, yeah, he kind of followed through with how he said he was as a father. And yeah, you know, um, I definitely think that he wanted all of us to believe that he was a really good father. And honestly, you know, I don't doubt that he, he loves his daughter even with all the terrible things that he has done, he's still a father who I do believe loves his daughter. He's just very a very messed up person and 
maybe he doesn't even know just how bad he has his issues have affected her yeah but you know i i don't think it was all a show i guess what i'm trying to say is I some of it was genuine yeah i think some of it was genuine i do think that he loves his daughter um i do think that he tried with her to be a good father as much as he could um but i do think he went above and beyond to try to portray that he he was father of the year for sure Here's some additional candid moments of what I thought our family life was like. Turn the music up. Okay. Oh yeah, bring on the beat. Here we go. I see where she gets her moves now. Oh, that's a 10. Okay, I'm filming you. Woo! You know, wave to daddy. Wait, where are you? Hi, daddy. <laughs> Let's see if I can, like, not crash. Okay, show me the kicks. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, put your face in the water. Go! Come on, come on, come on, come on! Oh, yay! Good job! Do it one more time! Yeah! Watch out, world! Here she comes! Woo! High five! So, when I heard about her getting a domestic violence restraining order, That just was very suspicious to me based on everything that I knew from my experience and perspective. If anything, it actually kind of brought me and Ben together to fight this nonsense charge. She was just taking this battle we had going to a whole new level and I couldn't let that happen. So we put our heads together and began doing our own undercover work to get our ducks in a row to disprove her in court. But and you went hardcore to be on his team, and I, I did. And I'll know what I know now. Like I, I felt like I had to defend myself, though, because he's like, yeah. she's throwing you under the bus big time, Amber. She's saying that you're unstable, you're this, you're that, you're horrible, you're mean. So I felt like, in a sense, I was going to bat for myself. I need yeah. character witnesses. I went to a psychiatrist to be like, I got fully all that. evaluate me. Yeah, Please I got the evaluation in the report. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I went and just kind of got my mom to write a letter about me and. Amy and my friends and people who have known me since I was four years old. Can you please just write like, we're not bad parents. We're not bad people. Like, this is crazy. Because this incident involves Sydney, we proceeded with things in family court. Ben hired an attorney immediately and I decided to represent myself. I thought this case would be a slam dunk with all the evidence I had, not to mention a key witness, Allison. She was right there and she'd witnessed everything. Ben's attorney said a response into the judge denying everything that had happened. My frustration and anxiety was through the roof, trying to understand how the law would allow Ben to repeatedly get away with the horrible things he had done and was still doing to me. I was starting to break down from all the stress and it was starting to affect my pregnancy. 
After another court hearing and listening to Ben's attorney spout off horrible lies about me to the judge, I started to have horrible anxiety attacks. The first one happened at the courthouse and I could not catch my breath. Thankfully, Allison was there with me once again to help me. She tried to calm me down and reassure me that that motherfucker would not get away with everything he had done. Ben would purposefully try to evoke fear in me and he would glare at us or laugh at us from across the room. He even found ways to walk over to us and get just close enough so that he could call me and Allison names without anyone else hearing. And Allison had no issue telling him to fuck off. Oh, that attorney was a piece of shit. He called me at work um, and acted sincere. And I was like, I'm just going to tell you right now, like I have a law on this, on your client. And I never had experienced anything with attorney. I should have shut my mouth and not said a word. I showed all my cards and he used them against me and prepped against me. And I was oh so gosh. ignorant and so stupid. I would read the rebuttal, like, and his responses. It was the very beginning of, like, unveiling all these, this craziness and how much he could lie and create. And um, this was the first time I'm witnessing it all. I was a little bit with you and seeing what he was doing. But then what he was capable of, full-on lying to this legal representative, this attorney. And even this attorney was making up stuff and lying about our email exchanges and i had to present the truth in court like i remember him talking shit to the like about me to the judge and i was just blown away at how this could be happening he would walk as close as he could to us and he'd be like fuck you you like you stupid bitch and oh like gosh. and you look at her and you go you're fucking like he'd say like you're a loser fuck you you lying bitch you cunt like he calls names yeah and, and then allison would be like shut the fuck up <laughs> i love it she's a she's bit like, tiger she's like she's oh she's a such a tiger. tiger she would like stand in, she's six feet six feet yeah. one i'm so like under on like five two five three and i'd be impregnant and she'd be like seriously like back the fuck like fuck you i had a horrible anxiety attack my OBGYN got me in immediately my blood pressure was through the roof and my pulse was racing. He then informed me about how this was very unsafe for my baby and that because of the circumstances, he thought it would be a good idea for me to get on a medication to stop the anxiety attacks. I started them immediately and although they helped, they couldn't stop the reaction my body was still having from the massive amount of stress that Ben was causing me. Thankfully, after three court hearings, the judge continued to side with me. Unfortunately, within a few days after the third and what I thought was the final court hearing, Ben's attorney appealed the judge's decision, and once again, we were set to return to court. Next thing I know, a social worker was assigned to our case so that she could get a better idea of what was happening. I was told the social worker would first interview me in person at the King County Courthouse in downtown Seattle, and then she would meet with Ben and get his information and interview him as well. I went in to meet with this woman as planned and answered all of her questions. I began explaining the things that had happened from the very beginning. As all of these stories and all the information came pouring out of me, I noticed that the social worker was looking at me in disbelief. I could not tell if she was shocked by what I was telling her or if she actually did not believe what I was saying. I pulled up the audio recording of a few of the previous conversations I had had with Ben where I captured him admitting that he had lied about having cancer, as well as admitting that he told Amber a bunch of false stories about me so that she wouldn't find out that he had cheated and he was the one that actually that had caused the divorce and not me. He appeals. Yep. And are you like... End. Are you kidding me? She made a ruling, but he was allowed to appeal and the appeal had to con had to include a social worker doing a complete investigation that he would have to pay for. I think it was a few thousand dollars. So she okay. interviewed you first. 
so yeah, so I began to tell her everything. Um, she asked me information. I start talking to her and I remember just kind of like how I felt when I was trying to tell you everything that day we met at the pub. I joke now that it sounded like a telenovela, what it was called, like a Spanish soap opera. It, they're so extreme and dramatic. Like, and, and this lady was looking at me like, what? Yeah. Really? It's, it's hard to believe, really? truly. And I, I said, I know this is a lot. I told, I was like, yeah. and then he tried to like tase and he wanted to throw Max boyfriend. Oh, you told her that? I, oh I, she wanted to know his character in the whole background. <laughs> oh I was my like, God. and then he's with this yeah. woman and he's pretending this and he's been pretending, but he's not on family. Oh my God. He was lying and he was pretending they were together, but they were. And then he was saying that she was going to like harm my child. And then, you know, I was like, then he came to my house and he's like freaking out. And then he was stalking me, trying to pay people off not to to date me like so I she's mean, kind of probably thinking this is ridiculous and totally far-fetched yeah because it fucking is a lifetime movie right story. and without um but all true but like, all true how do you so, prove that he was trying to taste someone like trust me he did like you know what i mean she's probably like and, eh. yeah and then a lot of it i thought she already had in the prior previous court records like when the police would come to the house like i thought she would already have all of the like legal documents change the case that I wouldn't have to do her homework for um that she would read up on it but even though she's supposed to they don't recordings also included Ben stating that he went and filed harassment order against me because he knew that I was planning on filing one against him the following day before I could press play she told me that I was not allowed to submit that as evidence unless I had his consent to record him I was stunned she wouldn't even listen to it. I had no idea it was against the law. That news was devastating to my case. I had nothing else prepared to give her. She already had the previous parenting plan and all the documents from the restraining order that I'd filed, which included all the statements of what had happened that day along with the testimonies from Allison and Chris. While we were doing our best to gather all of our evidence to defend ourselves, I found out in November that one of my best friends was in the ICU and wasn't expected to make it. How could this be? She was just 38 years old. So in between all of the craziness going on, I immediately drove home to Oregon to be with her and tell her I loved her. She died the first week in December. My best friend was gone and I was beyond consolable. When I got back to Seattle, Ben was erratic and behaving so terribly now that he wasn't allowed to see his daughter. He would say things like he's never wished anybody dead, but when it came to Athena, he wished she would just die. It was a very dark time and I felt so helpless. Christmas should be a happy time, but for me, it was anything but. After a failed IVF attempt, losing my best friend, and now dealing with Ben's legal troubles with Athena, I was derailing at warp speed. I didn't know how much more I could take. As I was doing my due diligence and keeping an eye on Athena in hopes that she would show her cards and we could use it against her in court, I came across her new boyfriend's sister's profile on Instagram. It was fully open to the public for everybody to see, so I began perusing her pics. The first thing that jumped out at me was a picture of a very young Sydney reading a book, but not just any book. The title was Why Men Love Bitches, and the caption she wrote was, It's a tough concept to comprehend. Immediately, I felt rage run through my veins. This poor little girl is just learning to read, 
and they hand her this garbage and then post it publicly. I didn't find one ounce of it funny at the time and just remember thinking to myself, who are these random people that Athena has moved into her house and life and what kind of influence are they having on her kids? Athena herself hadn't even been with Chris even one year and here we are, good parents to Sydney and she wasn't even allowed at our home. And I'm like, first of all, you posted someone's child on a public Instagram. Then you post her, like, what kind of message are you giving to this girl? Like, be a bitch, grow up and be a bitch because men like it. And she's learning to read. And I just, and for me, obviously I was going through a very bad time and I see the humor in it now. At the time I did not. I just remember. And thinking, you've clearly not read the book. No, I have not. Because it has nothing, to, title alone. Has nothing like, to do with adult. being a bitch. Yeah, has nothing right? to do with being a bitch. And not to mention We didn't know who she was. We didn't know who Chris was. I felt like you're being really erratic or like irresponsible, maybe. Of like, who are these strange people that are vouching for you in court when they don't even know you? (laughs) So we were just like, oh my God. Now, I clearly knew I shouldn't have said anything, but I couldn't help myself in that moment. And I sent Chris's sister a scathing message, letting her know of my disapproval. We proceeded to get into a heated back and forth text war with me putting down Athena and calling her every name in the book, and his sister doling out equally horrible comments. And finally, her last comment dropped me to my knees. You're a hot mess. It must make you feel good when Sydney refers to you as quote-unquote mom, because God did the world a favor in not letting you reproduce. What a sad and desperate excuse of a woman you are. This woman, whom I had never met, nor knew anything about me and my family, had single-handedly said the worst thing in that moment that could ever be said. You win. Shortly after meeting with the social worker, I was at home when Allison approached me with a nervous look on her face. She told me she had to show me something. She sat next to me and I looked at her phone. She had her Instagram feed pulled up and showed me a post that she had made the night before. It was a picture of Sydney on Allison's bed pretending to read Allison's book. The book was titled, Why Men Love Bitches. Man, I love that book. The night prior, Allison could hear Sydney in her room meddling in her things. When Auntie Allison got closer to catch her in the act, Sydney jumped onto the bed and pretended that she was innocently just reading her book. Allison laughed hilariously knowing that Sydney didn't have a clue how to read that book or even what the book title said. Allison snapped a picture, captioned it with something like, starting young these days, or something like that, and then she posted it onto her Instagram. Amber saw it immediately and ran with it. Before we knew it, Amber had shared Allison's post on her Instagram and her Facebook page. Amber blasted aloud to everyone about how disgusting of a parent I am, along with rants about how white trash my boyfriend and his sister are. Immediately, comments started to flood in from her friends, family, and coworkers. Allison and I read them one by one. People were saying that they should call CPS on me, that I was disgusting and a horrible mom, and that they could not believe that poor Sydney had to be subjected to living in my home. Others commented saying that Sydney should be taken away from me as well. Allison felt awful. She obviously had no clue that that silly photo she had posted would turn into something so awful and would give Amber and Ben ammo against me at court. Within the hour, Allison informs me that Amber has just privately messaged her on Instagram. Allison reads the message from Amber aloud to me. This crazy bitch is still talking shit. Allison responds right away talking shit back to Amber. Allison tells her what an amazing mom I am and that she basically is the idiot who's being fooled by a man that is constantly talking shit about her and telling us that she's an abusive, crazy bitch who is mean to Sydney. 
Without skipping a beat, Amber immediately replies with more harsh words and tells Allison that she is more of a mother to Sydney than I have ever been and that Sydney calls her mom. That's when Allison and I conspire the next text together and hit Amber where it hurts. The text said as follows, God did the world a favor by not letting you reproduce. Then Allison informs Amber that she is violating the harassment order and that we are calling the police to file a police report. I'm not sure if Amber ever responded to that last message from us. About a month later, we returned to court to appear in front of the judge. Before we were called up, I was given the final report that the social worker had turned into the judge. I remember sitting next to Lexis when the domestic violence advocate came over and handed it to me. I started to read the report and my heart started pounding. My adrenaline was racing and I started to bawl. Lexis was reading the report along with me and we both could not believe our eyes. Ben and Amber had submitted multiple statements, text message threads, and emails to the social worker. I will just take this moment to jump in really quickly just to clarify that last statement Athena made. I did not submit anything. That was all Ben. I didn't attend any of the hearings. I was not involved. However, what I did give to Ben were not fake, but character testimonies on my behalf, as well as records from Evergreen Hospital and notes from the psychiatrist that I saw. I personally did not create any fake documents, nor did I even know that Ben was doing this. So I just wanted to make sure everyone was clear on that. Emails and text threads were completely falsified and created by Ben. We had never had any of those conversations. I had never said any of those things to either of them via text or email. I became overwhelmed with emotion and I started to sob louder and louder. I could barely catch my breath again. Lexis just held my hand and she hugged me. How the hell will I ever be able to defend myself against this man? Ben had submitted fake documents that I could have never seen coming nor defended myself against. I felt absolutely defeated. The social worker basically sided with Ben in her report stating that she couldn't find enough evidence to keep Ben away from Sydney or to see why I needed a protection order. He created a fake email address from me and he I would go back and forth and it was fake emails from us back and forth. Saying what? And um, just making me look, talk shitty, talk, seem trashy. Um, I can't take her. It's my, oh my weekend. Gosh. Sorry, I need to go party. Like, just stuff that oh my gosh. You, yeah, look like a bad mother. And then he bought a burner phone and he any or he I, I thought he had done that. So he either did that or he created online. I but I don't know. So all he had to do, instead of showing my phone number, it just said Athena at the top of the text. And then he would just text himself back and forth and he created a whole entire conversation. And what did they say? When you're like, that is not my email, nor could, is that my phone I wasn't number. even allowed to say a word because once that was turned into this woman, the social worker, the report was given to me before they walked me up to be presented for the judge. And, and I was like, what the, f I told the domestic violence advocate, I go, I did not email these things. I did, these are my text yeah. messages. Like I was looking at it going, oh my God. Shortly after the bailiff called our case aloud, the domestic violence advocate walked up with me to stand beside me up at the podium, just a few feet away from Ben and his attorney. His attorney spoke first and pointed out everything in the social worker's findings that made me look like a liar and a terrible person. He then ended his rant by stating that if I didn't drop the case against his client, that they would be coming after me for all of Ben's past and present attorney fees. Needless to say, I crumbled at the podium. 
per the advocate's advice, I told the judge that I needed an extension to gather evidence to disprove the social worker's findings. My voice was shaky and tears streamed down my face as I spoke. I was officially defeated. Chris and I were trying to fix up the house to sell it and move into a new home, so the last thing I wanted to be ordered to do was pay Ben's attorney fees that were already almost $15,000. I'm trying to catch my breath. I'm bawling. I'm, you're supposed to be quiet. Other people are standing up there talking to the judge and the advocate comes over and she's like, it's okay, come here, come here. I get up and, and Lexi's trying to calm me down and I'm just like, what the fuck? How, how do I defend myself? How did I, how do I not defend myself when he submitted yeah. this after me? And it's not like I was allowed to go back to the social worker and have the information to go, uh-uh, I can prove this isn't true, this isn't true, this isn't true, this is not my email address. These texts never happened, here's the date and time, here I was. I couldn't present anything. And it was all presented to the judge right then and there when I walk up to the podium. Ugh. She says, I want you to, I'm gonna stand up there with you, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna say that the findings are not valid and correct, and that I'm asking you, judge, whatever, um, for a continuance and he looks at me and says if you bring if you continue this even further if you're granted this continuance then i'm going to go after you for all of his past attorney fees current attorney fees anything and everything that is it we've had enough of your abuse and i got so scared for the very first time because i knew the truth but i saw how he had just manipulated the social worker and i thought how strong of an opinion is this gonna be on the judge? Like, mm -hmm. is she gonna sway him? Is it worth it? And so he granted me the continuance. I walked back and I just, I told her I can't do it anymore. The judge granted my extension and I walked away from the podium with the DV advocate. I told her I was done fighting. I knew that the stress was harmful to my pregnancy and I emotionally and physically could not handle moving forward. She asked me if I was sure that I wanted to withdraw from the case. I cried as I told her that Ben always gets away with everything and that I just don't have it in me anymore to continue. I told her to draft up the withdrawal documents and that I would sign them. Ben won once again and all of my efforts were for nothing. I knew nothing would change and I would be right back to where I started. And now, your red flag not so fun fact. Instead of a red flag, I thought I'd do a lesson learned instead. There is so much hurt and pain from both sides in this episode, and so much of it could have been easily resolved with good communication. This is a perfect example of how things can escalate so much, and sometimes it gets to a point that there's no fixing to it. Thankfully, that was not the case for me and Athena. Let this episode be a reminder that words can cause so much damage, just as much as any physical. Once they are said, you cannot take them back. And on many occasions, those words leave scars for many years to come. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. Yeah. The courts believe she was lying. The courts didn't find her credible, is what he would tell me. And so then it just reiterated this false narrative I had in my head about you. He went back and told me, we won. Oh, that was the worst part. I was like, yeah. oh, she thinks she's winning. Oh, totally. Ugh. I would do the same. I would be yeah. so mad. I would do the absolute same. Nothing changed.
He just like well, whatever, he whatever. He the got... past is in the past. The past is in the past. Oh, right. We need to move forward, Athena. Yeah. Have you heard that a thousand times? Oh my god, a million times. Let the past we can't leave the, the past. past. Even if it was yesterday, and you just fuck somebody else. <laughs> yes. Like Athena, the past That's is in the past. the past. That was yesterday. Oh. I put my dick in her yesterday. But the past <laughs> but is, this the is past. today. It's a whole <laughs> new start. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.